Welcome once again to A Server's Journey with Rocky DeStefano. The theme of the program is Everybody's on a Journey to Serve, and we're all serving together. Good day, everybody. Thanks for joining us again and listening as we continue our series of great or influential leaders throughout history. And today we have somebody that I didn't know as much as I thought I knew about, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting show. And uh, I think and Gabby Gabby's in is going to be, yeah, Gabby's in charge. <laughs> Yes, so this is our second female influential leader in history. And you, as you were studying great female leaders, you found a lot more that, that than maybe you thought even that you were interested leaders. in doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was worried that I would pick the wrong ones and that, you know, somebody would say you should have done this other person who was did way more. Um, so, so who else was... In the mix, because I know you did Cleopatra, and now we're going to cover uh, Joan of Arc today. But um, who else? Like I know I was attracted to Eleanor mm-hmm. as well. She was on the list. Um, Madonna, there was sorry, no. <laughs> not, not Madonna. We just joking. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There was. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people. I'm bad when you ask me for information on the spot. Give so me, give me them now. All the yeah. names. Uh, yeah. No, there were a lot. Um, I even was, I, I had even thought of a few that were different kind of leaders, which I think Joan of Arc was a very different kind mm-hmm. of leader. She would be, um, the history of her would be unique today. And this was way, way back. Just to kind of give you a little history on her. She was born in France um, to a poor farmer and his wife. So she was born in poverty, um, but her mother taught her the virtues of piety and humility that would, you know, kind of remain in her life and be kind of the legacy that she left behind as well. Right. And, and what, what amazes me is so many leaders have been born this way yes. in poverty. Yes. You know, not being up at the upper crest. Other no, we know Lincoln was born that way. Yeah. Um, FDR, of course, was born into that. But yeah. but some of these, uh, well, Washington. Well, yeah. Yeah. Washington had a pretty, didn't he have like a whole state? A definitely an upper middle class for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But some of these leaders. Yeah, started with nothing. Started with nothing, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that was Joan of Arc for sure. Um, when she was born... France was, you know, engaged in a series of conflicts with England, which was known as the Hundred Years' War. Um, This is the 1400s, by the way. Uh, So, and please bear with me because I, I don't think I can read Roman numerals. (laughs) That's that's okay. Yeah, I mean, you probably didn't. We know we covered Roman numerals in elementary school. I don't think they did when you came around. They covered it in school, but I mean, I retain knowledge that I use, right? For the most part, uh, so a V is a five, right? Yeah. that's what I X thought. X is ten. Yeah, so. but you've, if you've watched the Super Bowl, you've got to learn these things. You don't have to. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, Henry V, so I had it right, um, of England. He took the French French throne as regent um, to King Charles the Sixth. Am I correct in that? Yeah, and he was called <laughs> um, insane, right? Wasn't he? Yes. 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 
Um, so they the plan, didn't say why. I don't know why. No. <laughs> uh, the plan was that Henry would take the throne following Charles' death. However, in 1422, they both died within months of each other, leaving Henry's young son as the ruler of both countries. So supporters of Charles' son, uh, who would later become Charles VI, See, right. I'm getting you better. See, there you go. Uh, pressed for the opportunity to return a French king to the throne. Um, and it was around then that Joan of Arc began to receive visions instructing her to lead a virtuous life. Well, and this is something that I found that was kind of cool because she started hearing voices, right? Mm-hmm. And she began to attract a band of followers. And part of it was because there was a popular prophecy about a virgin who was destined to save France. Really? And so the followers thought that she was... The leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that was partly when she cropped her hair and became famous as dressing in men's clothes. Yeah, she was actually the reason for the popular Bob hairstyle. Uh, which is still popular today, and several of my daughters had them at different periods. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I didn't really want to. I left that out of my notes because I was like, I don't want to. You know, women leaders. She invented the bob hairstyle. Look at her great accomplishment. Yeah, but I yeah, I think um, all great leaders have, uh, you know, been followed in what yeah. they wore, and you know, men and women both. So she was convicted. She wanted to. France, not to be ruled by England. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So she wanted to basically have a meeting with Charles, uh, who was, you know, going to be the heir to the throne. Um, and to achieve this, she sought the help of Robert. Now I'm going to mess up this name. Go ahead. I'm going to say it in my best French accent. De Boudicourt. <laughs> oh, yeah, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the famous Robert <laughs> But he was the garrison commander uh, and a supporter of Charles. So she was initially refused, but due to the support that she was gaining amongst everyone, like Rocky said, uh, he eventually granted her a meeting in 1429. So he had a lot of reservations, um, but she did convince him that she should be given the opportunity to lead French troops against the English. And I actually was reading, it wasn't so uncommon for a woman to be commanding in that yeah. day and age. What was uncommon was her her class, like where she was at in life, basically. Okay. So it was more about her being born in poverty than her being a woman. Yes, and also, you know, women would command in absence of, like they would command their families, troops, like an absence of a husband or a brother or right. something, but it right. wasn't like they were just commanding because they said, I have a vision. So when she talked to the Charles, the six, what did she say? It's speculated. Yeah, this is cool. That she revealed to him details of a private prayer he had made to God to help save his country and that only a messenger of God could know this information. So she's having these visions. She's telling everybody, you know, I'm meant to do this. I have to lead our people. And uh, she has this meeting, and there's really no reason for him to say, yeah, okay, go ahead and lead these troops, right? Right. Um, and she really doesn't have any concrete evidence 
to say, no, I'm meant to do this. And it's speculated that she did have some concrete evidence, you know, something that was between him and God. She knew and brought up in the meeting. And that's how he was like, okay, there's something else going on here. Well, and, and the amazing thing is, um, you know, you mentioned to us that there was some speculation that she might have been schizophrenic, which mm-hmm. schizophrenia is something that doesn't normally manifest until you're in your late teens to early 20s. So that would give some credence to it. But the fact that a king was encouraged to give over power to a young person born to no means mm-hmm. kind of give cre- gives credence that maybe she actually was hearing from God. Yeah, and I mean, my personal belief, you know, mental illness yeah, uh, or, or disabilities that, that we see today, I think that, you know, it's not impossible that there's a spiritual factor involved in them or, you know, that it's just things that we may not understand because we can't have any kind of tangible thing to study. Um, you know, we're not seeing these figures, we're not, but I mean, who truly knows nobody's seen God, but a lot of people believe in him. I think it's the similar thought, you know, right. But anyway, so she's how old when she gets this permission to do this? She's 17 years old. Okay. And she leads an army. Mm -hmm. So she leads an army where the English, uh, were laying siege. And, uh, she had a lot of different battles over the space of three days um, and the French managed to weaken the English for- forces and their morale. So she had an effect um, definitely on the French troops. She wasn't necessarily a fighter. <laughs> right. She didn't even, I don't even think she brandished a weapon. I think she had uh, a flag and she was almost like a mascot, like a like a hype man like right. Right. for these people. Now, now she was injured twice though. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was in the right. the battles. She was there. She yeah. was there, and she was definitely in danger, but she wasn't a fighter by any means. She wasn't a warrior, necessarily. She was extremely, extremely brave, though. Um, so she was injured twice, like you said, um, but she returned to the front. She kept pushing for victory. Um, in 1429, Charles was crowned king of uh, France, and she was present at the ceremonies. Uh, but the following year... Uh, the new king, he sent her to, again, French word, compiège, compiègne, compiègne, I I don't know, Um, to confront the Burgundian assault. Again, struggling here. Uh, But anyway, it was during this battle that she was captured and eventually turned over to the English for the price of 10,000 francs. 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 I wonder what that would equal in today's U.S. A lot of money. I don't know. You should look that up. Check it up. Um, but she was turned over to church officials, and she was charged with 70 counts, including witchcraft, uh, heresy, and dressing like a man. So these are the kind of counts that was held against her. It wasn't, uh, well, I don't know, the other 70. It probably was a lot of other stuff, too. But Right, but they were whittled down, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, in 1431, she's now 19. Uh, she's convicted of heresy and sentenced to death by burning at the stake. The following day, she was taken to the marketplace in the French city of Rouen, where her sentence was carried out in the presence of over 10,000 people. So I read a little bit um, 
more into this. And the 70 charges against her, so they ranged from sorcery to horse theft. Um, it had been whittled down to just 12, like you said, mostly related to her wearing men's clothing and claims that God had directly talked to her. Right. So she was offered life imprisonment in exchange for an admission of guilt. And she signed a document confessing, but it also has been speculated that she was illiterate and she didn't necessarily know <laughs> what she was even signing. Right. Um, and then several days later, due to some threats of violence or rape from her guards, she put her male attire back on. So she admitted guilt, you know, I'm not going to do this again, whatever. And then she obviously goes back to wearing men's clothing. And that became a problem. Um, when the judges came to visit her, she told them that the voices had reappeared. And those were kind of the two last things that led to her being burned at the stake as a relapsed heretic. Well, and something I, I found out, too, was that she... You know, we talk about her fierceness. She was definitely fierce. Mm -hmm. She did while she was in prison. She tried to escape several times. In fact, on one occasion, she jumped from a 70-foot height, landing on a soft earth uh, of a dry moat. Wow. However, she was captured and put back into prison. So she was a tough cookie. There was no joking about her. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe being illiterate is not mistaken for being sharp-minded a yeah. lot of people you know i think a lot of people were illiterate back then yeah it doesn't mean she wasn't intelligent yeah and and there's you know speculations of mental illness or things that maybe she struggled with but she was very there's like actual records of her being sharp-tongued and quick right. to right. respond to things and actually had somewhat of a temper <laughs> right too um she didn't you know she was didn't like people behaving indecently, right. skipping mass, swearing, um, dismissing her. Uh, there's even one uh, point where she was in court and uh, somebody asked her, well, what are the accents of the voices in your head? <laughs> and she said, they can speak French far better than you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing was really interesting, too, that... Um, there was one, so this was like a, a trial, but it was a farce. It was all made of all British clerics and mm -hmm. they were trying to, um, embarrass this, you know, get yeah. rid of a prisoner, but embarrass, um, her along the way. Uh, one cleric, Nicholas Bailey, um, was commissioned to collect testimony against Joan and he could not find any adverse evidence. So without the evidence, um, the court really lacked the grounds to initiate a trial, but they initiated a trial anyways. Yeah, yeah I think that might have happened a lot often back then. Yeah. Well, what uh, happened in uh, 1456? So that was three years after the end of the Hundred Years' War. King Charles VI, um, was, he declared Joan of Arc innocent of all her charges. So... This is after the fact, um, and she kind of went down in history as a martyr. Right, and became a saint, actually, um, in the Catholic religion. Yeah, so that was thousands of, or hundreds of years later um, in 1920. So in 1920, she was declared a saint by Pope Benedict and became the patron saint of France. So during her short life, she 
basically de- demonstrated qualities of being courageous, being a servant leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. um, and she had virtues of piety, humility, um, which she observed pristinely throughout her life. So she became a saint in the eyes of the Catholic Church. You are right. So here was something I found really, because there's a lot of interesting facts, um, whether you want to believe she was insane or was suffering from a mental condition, she was very pious, like she was very, um, she believed what she did. In fact, Mm -hmm. she asked while she was tied to the pillar um, about to be burned, she asked two clergy um, to hold a crucifix before her. And another English soldier was so moved that he constructed a small cross that she put in the front of her dress. Um, After she died, the English raked back the coals to expose her charred body so that no one could claim that she had escaped alive. Um, And then they burned the body twice more to reduce it to ashes. So if you think about it, um, they, like she moved people, like they were concerned. In fact, they burned the body twice so that they uh, were hoping to prevent anybody to collect the ashes as part of a relic Mm. um, Mm -hmm. for her. So she was somebody who moved, it sounded like not only the French, but had even impact on some of her captors Yeah, um, because they were, you know, giving her crosses, et cetera. So pretty amazing. So let's talk about the competencies. Yes. So what do you, what do you have on your list there? Cause I want to see her. No, no, no. Like uh, from what we've kind of collected Strong so far. Strong ethics. Yeah. So, so let me explain that this is um, a lot more difficult than I thought because uh, we started with the five that um, Dr. Sunni Giles. stated. Um, and then I started adding a few more. So like I started looking um, for a level of optimism um, or empathy because those were ones that we found at MLK um, and George Washington and like all of the leaders. Mm-hmm. And then um, as we started learning about Cleopatra and Attila, we started adding things like um, uh, and Hitler, charisma, fierce, um, connective, uh, you know, those kind of things too. So um, for Joan of Arc, I have empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that she was a lifelong learner, that she was a level of optimism because she was able to, you know, uh, England was winning. So she had to, you know, lead her team, lead her troops with optimism. Um, I also had that she was charismatic, mm-hmm. fierce, and she was able to connect to the people. Yeah, I so, would agree with that. But it doesn't mean that she wasn't some of these other things too. Uh, and I would definitely say that she had to be okay with discomfort, which mm-hmm. was something that MLK and George Washington portrayed. She definitely had character. Mm-hmm. Um, so she might be one of the more well, well-rounded and actually one of the greatest servant leaders that we've studied. Wow. At the age of 17, you know, which yeah. is crazy. And she claimed, died at the age of 19. Yeah. yeah. And she did a lot in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it. Claiming that she heard God. I mean, that's amazing that she yeah, followed absolutely. her conviction. Yep. Yeah, she was uh, 
she was persuasive, you know? So like we talked about Cleopatra and how she was persuasive. Basically she was, or, or Attila the Hun, they were able to persuade that they were a God. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I kind of think it has like a similar sort of, yeah. Like there's this, this higher power associated with them. She was around during the age of painting. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of portraits of her that are done. And in all of them, she is portrayed as somebody who is beautiful and competent. Like in all of them, there is a regalness about her, um, even though she was born into nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, like every picture I'm seeing, she is at an important uh, event, doing an important thing and dressed you know, very magic, uh, majestically. Yeah. So anyways. So is it time to pay the bills? I think so. Thanks to ACS Creative for developing our website, aservicejourney.com. So when it comes to creating a website, it pays to go to the pros. That's why we went to ACS Creative. They do brochures, logos, direct mail, ad campaigns, and websites. They don't play games with your money. Contact ACS Creative on the internet at acscreative.com. Well, I understand... The next episode of A Server's Journey is going to be historic. Yeah, historic. <laughs> historic. Um, let's see, what else would I say? Something that's been talked about. There's been many references to this that, that have been pl- placed on this program and so many times. So we're going to bring it to the forefront. And do we say what it's about? Do you want to say what it's about, Garby? How does a bastard, orphan, <laughs> yes. son of a That's whore. enough, Larry. That's enough of a, <laughs> of a tease. A tease? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. For you who know, know. And one of us will find out. Yes. So until next week, I am your ever faithful companion, Larry. <laughs> and I am Rocky. And this is... Garbage. Heavy. Yeah, garbage. Garbage and, patch uh, kid. As always, we want to thank you for joining us this episode. Uh, come back next week and learn about um, another great influential leaders in, a leader in history. So, as always, we thank you for coming, and we ask you to ask yourself, are you worth being followed?